Hello and welcome to episode 260 of Fergo on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter, at AndrewRP. And joining me as always is the glorious League Freak, who you can find on Twitter, at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Pretty good, champion. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. I've just realised something. What? We've done more podcast episodes than the university team played first grade games. Wow, well, it's about time, really. Poor old university. I dare say we've had more wins as well. Oh, I, well, we've had 260 wins, almost. Yeah. Once this episode's done anyway. Perfect record. Perfect. Not yeah. even a single draw. No, we, we, although we did have a couple of forfeits there with uh, Carson Brummer. Yeah. And we had a forfeit with Nadine as well. <laughs> Let's be honest, the one with Carson was more of a washout. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. Yeah. That was uh, that was bad. That was really, really bad, that one. Yeah, it was kind of like, actually, it was more like that one was called off because of snow because there was lots of very white stuff everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway. But, uh, we, you know, we like to record ones as well that we can put to wear. That's right. That's right. We've, uh, we've moved forward. We've grown and matured, apparently. Yeah. We try. We try. Um. So we've had a, a rather reasonable week this week. Yeah, it's been a lot of news. It's been really good. Last week was a bit quiet. This week, not so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of us has been a bit busy on Twitter anyway. Yeah, one of us went viral. Let's let's get that uh, let's get that out of the way. Okay, all right. So you went viral. Okay. Yeah. Um, talking and, about a virus. Yeah, talking about a virus. Talking about a television personality um so tell us what you tweeted and it 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 was it wasn't controversial or anything like it just seemed like and it's it was like a pretty good tweet it was it was innocuous is what it was yeah yeah it was like the sort of tweet that you read and you go like yeah that's a good one yeah um so it came out after uh sky sky after dark um opinion Dickhead Andrew Bolt mm-hmm. wrote an article where he was sooking and balling because he, I don't know, Melbourne was too was was not not as white as he wanted it to be. So he decided he's selling everything up. He sold the house. He's packed all his shit away. He's thrown yeah. all his toys out of the cot and he's fucking off out of Melbourne. He's going to the bush. Mm-hmm. We found out that the bush that he's going to is actually the Mornington Peninsula, which is practically an outer suburb of Melbourne. It's only an hour away from where he currently lives. Okay. And it's got a population of about 150,000 people. <laughs> it's like city versus country. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I said, uh, Andrew Bolt is leaving Melbourne. Dan Andrews has now got rid of two viruses from Melbourne in a year. Impressive. And that's it? That's it. Um, right. I thought that I've probably only got about seven followers from Melbourne, so I thought I'll get seven likes for that. Hardly anyone will probably see that. That's exactly right. Cause, so, you what, know. so what happened? Um, nearly 8,000 people liked it. It's been retweeted over a thousand times. Um, almost had 300,000 tweet impressions and, and, you know, it's been seen that many times on Twitter. It's, it's got a bit, a bit crazy. Really crazy. Really, so was, um, really crazy. Two and a half busy days there. Cause I thought, you know, I had a few, had a few responses mm-hmm. about, about 30 or 40 people replied and I would trying to put labels on me about some sort of shit that I might be a, some sort of Daniel Andrews supporter or some yeah. sort of uh, left-wing loony or something like that. I'm going, no, I'm just making a stupid joke. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So I went, was, I went a little bit viral. That was interesting. Yeah, it was uh, – at least you went viral with something that was pretty tame, you know? Yeah. The only person I'm have upset here is Andrew Bolton. To be honest, I don't really care about his opinion. So, <laughs> you know, a few far-right loonies who don't have a sense of humor got a bit shitty over it. Again, I don't care. I think it, I think considering how many people saw it, it, you did pretty well because, like, you can jump on Twitter these days and say, like, I like rugby league, and somebody will get really fucking angry at you over it. So, yeah. you know, I you did all right. I did do pretty well. I was pretty fortunate there. Yeah. Um, speaking of other stuff that happened on Twitter, just quickly. Yeah. Do you see that there was a lot of people going on about how great rugby union was for having the national anthem sung in um, an Aboriginal language? I did, yeah. People going on about how it's such a great thing and rugby union should be applauded for it, despite the fact that rugby league did it in 2010 before a state of origin game, and mm-hmm. they'd been doing, they did it twice after that as well um, before the All-Stars games, and I think they've been doing it for the last two or three years during the Indigenous rounds. Okay. Yeah, we've done it more than once in rugby league, but apparently yeah. rugby union should be applauded for it. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I guess any time because rugby union riders are weird. They're just cheerleaders. They they cheerlead and they give promises like, oh, this the mustard disgrace is going to go well this year, and they never do. Um, and so yeah, a lot of people jumping up and down about it. The one thing I found weird was people saying, oh, the the anthem was sung in Aboriginal and and like. Like, there's so many different languages. I think there's something yeah. like 250 different languages. There's a lot. Yeah. And so there's not really one language that you can sing it in. And, um, but yeah, like, and, and I guess that's an education thing, but, you know. No, they usually just go with, um, the more common language, probably one that was, you know, attributed to the larger community that they had. So, you know, it's a bit, I don't know. The thing that came out of it, really, is mm. Latrell Mitchell came out saying, I don't think people understand that it doesn't matter if you, if you speak in an Aboriginal, the words are the issue, not yeah. not what language they're spoken in. Yeah. And I go, yeah, you know what, that's actually quite a fair point. But people having a go at him because he made a mis- he had a gaffe over uh, an argument he was making along those lines last year, I think, when he was debating something about the word girt and he got a bit fucked up. But What did he say? I don't know. I just heard people saying that he stuffed it up. I think he was saying that the word Gert meant something about white people being invading the country or something like that. I I never followed it properly, so I don't recall him saying it. But if that's what happened, then that's a bit of a a gaffe on his behalf. But then again, other than in the National Anthem, have you heard the word Gert being put to use? Yeah, exactly. So what would you say? I know what I think Gert would mean, but I could be wrong. Well, I'm, but guessing what would you think? I'm guessing it's surrounded. I would I would say like almost butted up against. Yeah. There's something along those lines. Yeah. Um I think he mistook it for invaded. Okay. Well that's yeah. true. And if you put it in the context of the actual song, I don't think we're invaded by sea because we wouldn't have deserts. I just put in Gert into Google and it said a Heart? word in the Australian National Anthem. <laughs> yes. Gert, no word. Uh, okay, Gert. Definition of Gert, dictionary.com. Uh, 
a simple past tense, a, a simple past tense, and past part, participle of gird. <laughs> I need so I need to find out what participle means and gird. So let's go to gird. And gird. Okay. Well, very soon we're going to be on rowing gird. Let's do, we'll get back to rugby league. Yeah. Do encircle or bind with a belt or band to surround. So it seems like you're closer to it. There you go. Well, you know, I am a wordsmith. To to prepare oneself for action, he girded himself for the trial ahead. Mm. Sounds like a rugby league word to me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially especially given this off-season, how it's going. Jeez. It's fucking ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. And Leo. Let's get into it. Let's not hide from it. Okay. Um, Tom Starling, young Raiders hooker. He's a good bloke. He's a good bloke. It's not his go, Andrew. It's not his go. He's um. There's he's a. Not, there's, he's not a violent guy. No, no. I think I think if anything we could take from this, if he's not a violent guy, he's a very, very, very clumsy one. Because yeah. there's a an image of him where he's got a bit of bark off his nose and a few mm. bit of cuts and scratches and bruises around his eyes and his mouth and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and all I can gather is there was some sort of fight that happened or broke out in Newcastle. Surprise, surprise. And I thought it was the Central Coast. I heard oh, the Central well, Coast. It's all kind of the same area, really. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, it really just depends on where you go to Centrelink, but whether it's, you know, Gosford or Newcastle, let's face it. That's right. That's pretty much it. And uh, I think his brothers were involved in the in the blue, the brouhaha. Mm-hmm. And there was a police officer that got involved in or something like that. And the, the story that's going around, I don't know if it's true or not, the story going around was that apparently Starling reached for the officer's gun and got fucked up. Yeah. Apparently, like I saw on the news, because Ricky Stewart talked a little bit about it, and he said that, uh, and this is all alleged, I wasn't there, but this is what I saw on the news, allegedly a bouncer said something about his mum and then he confronted the bouncer and then yada, yada, yada. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how it goes, you yeah. know. And well, Stuart said it's it's not, you know, he's not like that. He's not he like that, no. That's not his go. It's not, he's not that sort of person. Yeah. Uh, another officer is another Raiders player having, you know, having an, an altercation with a police officer. Yeah, it's a weird one. So I was looking around on the NRL website trying to find, a, you know, find out what's been going on the last few days because I've not been paying much attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been dealing with my own dramas on Twitter. Yep. <laughs> fucking <laughs> and, lefty. Um, it's fucking lefty, yeah. I saw a, um, I saw a picture of the Raiders training. Mm-hmm. And it's um it's got Ryan James on there. And he's doing training. Looks like he's moving around, which is good news. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh look, the Raiders have finally got a hooker in the in the background there who's not not involved in a police allocation and isn't injured. And it was Michael Ennis. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe Ennis is coming out of retirement. Yeah, it's uh man, the, the Raiders have had a lot of off field issues when you think about it, going back for a while. Hmm. It reminds me, actually, there was a, a story put out uh, this week where a, a journalist said that since Anthony Griffin 
has left the Panthers, they've had a bunch of off-field issues because he, he he's a big disciplinarian. And uh, Ivan Cleary is not a big disciplinarian. And I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, there was the the Tyrone May thing, right, which is terrible. He should not be at the club. And then the next worst thing was fucking our halfback danced on TikTok. Well, mate, that is, let's be honest, that was, I can't think of the word to describe how um, illegally graphic that was. It was a disgrace. that, That dance, I felt violated after watching it. I had to have a shower. I was disgusted that a grown man had a TikTok account. Um, and look, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I see. I had to go through an awful lot of counselling just to just to get over what happened there. Yeah, I get I it. I can't believe he did that. Sweet, he had two weeks off because of that because he danced on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, unforgivable. Yeah, that's what happens when you have a wartime consigliere in charge. <laughs> <laughs> now one thing i wanted to get there you, you mentioned the the tyrone may thing yeah the interesting thing about that being raised is those videos that tyrone may did i'm pretty sure they were made in 2018 when anthony griffin was coach of penrith oh really mm-hmm oh, okay so uh so much for that one yeah i i just can't believe he's still at the club um Furthermore, mm-hmm. I mean, Anthony Griffin, he's only been there a short while and already. Corey Norman's been on the poker machines winning 25 grand. But that's positive. That's that's horrible, isn't it? Didn't we, didn't we learn from the, the Broncos in the, after the 29 <laughs> finals that, you know, rugby league players playing on the pokies? They're supposed and, to and be. And doing nothing else bad, doing nothing at all bad. But, you know, rugby league players on the pokies, that's horrible and disgraceful behavior. Yeah. Isn't that what we're supposed to have taken from that? Yeah, they're not. If there's one thing we know about rugby league players, they're not allowed to get Maccas at like 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to play poker machines mm-hmm. ever. That's right. Um, what not else? Allowed to drink. Not, not allowed to drink. Not allowed to um, drive expensive cars. That's true. What else? You know, it's funny about all of this. Mm. These are all things that the journalists are, are allowed to do. Oh, yeah. Well, when they're allowed to drive, because, you know, <laughs> sometimes licenses just get taken away from you. But yeah, or, you know, there might be a journalist jumping on your hood. Mm-hmm. It's hard to drive when you've got one of those on there. Yes. You're yes. Trying, to, trying to negotiate a corner while you've got some bald-headed dickhead jumping on your hood. You don't want, you don't want him to, you know, you obviously don't want him to fall off. Allegedly. We'll leave that there. Uh <laughs> We're really sailing close to the edge, aren't we? We're, we're pushing the line, aren't we? Yeah, what the fuck? Mm. Yeah, that's 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 not normal for us. No. Um, what else has been going on? Let's have a look. I um, wrote a list down. There was a fair bit on. Ben, Benji Marshall. Um, he's been replaced at Hull FC by Josh Reynolds. Did you know Benji is the only player, mm-hmm. marquee player that Hull has signed? who never mm. lost a game while playing at the club. Well worth it. Very well. Like he was, uh, it, it was good while it lasted. I'll say that. What do you, you reckon what? about the Josh Reynolds signing? I feel like Josh Reynolds is done. I'll tell you this, okay. I 
I'm glad he's leaving the Tigers, and not because I thought he was shit. Mm -hmm. When he was playing for the Tigers, when he did get on the field, Mm -hmm. he gave 110%. He busted his ass while he was on the field. Yeah. I just think that the quality of the game um, has left him behind. Well, he was always one of those players where – Part of his game was his work rate and the yeah. way he got around the field and his hustle. And when you start getting older and, the, you know, that sort of edge that you have starts to get dulled, um, then you become less of an asset to a team in those areas of your game. That's right. And the problem that ties up with him is he did start getting a few injuries um, and they do tend to bunch up a little bit as you get older, especially if you can't get a run of, um, you know, game time. but in front of you, uh, you know, around that period. Yeah. I think, though, he's back to being fully fit at the moment. I actually think he's going to go pretty well in the English Super League. Uh, well, hopefully he does. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like he could be one of those signings where they're like, wow, what the hell? No, because, look, the one thing I've noticed, okay, when you look at the Super League is what they want from players uh, is versatility. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you will find that pretty much every single halfback that's ever gone to the Super League or has ever come through Super League has had to also play at 5-8 and also play at hooker. Mm. And that is something that Josh Reynolds can definitely do. Mm-hmm. He's got the work rate to be to, to look after the defensive side of things as hooker in Super League. He probably actually worked a lot better as a hooker over there, to be honest. Mm. Um but he can also play at five eight. He can also play halfback over there if he needs to. And I think that's something that suits a Super League team perfectly. Like you couldn't take Luke Brooks over there no. because he doesn't have the size to pull off the defensive workload required at hooker. So he's not going to work over there. They're not going to take over a nine. Uh, sorry, a seven who can't play nine. They need that versatility. They always that, have done. That reminds me of something I saw during the week too. They are. Uh... They kept on putting out stats this week that said James Roby, who I'm pretty sure is about 35, only missed five tackles all year. I did see that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Which I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like, we all know that the statistics that come out of the English game can be a little bit funny. Like, weren't what you and me watching a game once where, and I think Huddersfield were involved, and it was an absolute whitewash in the first half. Um, I think Huddersfield were getting absolutely lapped, it, but it showed like they'd only missed 12 tackles or something. I do remember that, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, missed tackles is a bit of a, a furphy in, in NRL and Super League because it only counts a missed tackle if the player has attempted the tackle in the first place. Mm. Okay, so if you're defensive, if you've made a poor defensive decision and the player's beaten you fair and square, mm. so you've come out of the line to try and shut down a play and the, the player has beaten you completely and you've created a massive gap and the team scores through that, that does not count as a missed tackle. Yeah. But if you go and you try to tackle someone and you get pushed aside or something like that, that's a missed tackle. Mm. But that... That effort to try and affect that tackle would actually have more of a positive impact for the team defending mm. than the person who runs up out of line and creates a hole. 
you know, because the 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 player with the ball has had to stop and and deal with that person coming across, and by doing that, it's probably given the defending team a chance to actually get another player there to affect the tackle. Yeah, yeah. Whereas creating a gap, no one's stopping that. You know, so the the player's stat is actually being punished more for affecting a tackle and missing mm-hmm. than by just completely being you know entirely absent. Yeah, and, and like when and I saw that being you know, talked about for a few days this week. And uh, I'm like, I, I just can't believe that that anyone would honestly believe that. Yeah. Miss, miss tackle stats are a bit, as I said, they're a bit of a fair few. I think the best example, and Sharks fans will get this on pretty well. Um, they used to hate Blake Ashford with a passion mm. because he would always, you know, in their eyes, he missed so many tackles close to the line. Mm-hmm. And so many tries were scored through him. And you look at it on paper and you go, yeah, you know what, fair enough. But mm-hmm. when you actually watch the mechanics of what was going on with the Sharks' defensive line, you'd see more often than not that Todd Carney on his inside would run up and try and tack. He would run in the gap between yeah. two players. Yeah. And Aishwood was left trying to defend two players on his own so he didn't have to drag his winger in. Yeah, yeah. And so more often than not, he's trying to take on two players, both moving and he's got to make a decision one way or the other. And you're never going to win that situation. And that's why he had so many missed tackle attempts, because he'd, he'd run up and he'd try and shut the play down. So he would be trying to affect the tackle somewhere. The cover defense wasn't coming across. They'd score the try anyway. And so he would get credited with the missed tackle. And, that, you know, the try gets scored through him. He'd look bad. And the same thing's happening now with whoever's defending next to Chad Townsend. Mm-hmm. Happened for a while, whoever was defending next to James Maloney. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the problem with looking at just raw numbers that sometimes they're not accurate. The only times they're accurate is if you're looking at um, props and second rollers. Yeah, yeah. They do charge up. They do actually go up and they do attempt to shut down a tackle. So if they're getting pushed off on tackles and stuff like that, then that's a problem. If they've got a lot of missed tackles, that's, that needs to be rectified. But for most other people, centers also are in that same, same sort of category, but for a lot of other players... Um, it, it's not really telling much of a picture. Fullbacks is another one. A lot mm-hmm. of fullbacks will make three tackles in a game. And they might miss two or three tackles, you know, mm-hmm. um, because a lot of times they've got one on two situations. Mm-hmm. So um, wingers, another sort of tricky one. So you know, it's 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 always a bit a bit tough that. But uh, any hooker who plays an entire year and only misses five tackles. I'd, I'd be questioning the way the data is collected more than anything else. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And, like, it, for for a stat like that, and that's a stat a lot of teams would use on mm-hmm. some level, you know, and if that one's so badly out of whack, you've got to wonder what other ones are badly out of whack. And we've seen them. We've seen them ourselves. Like, with the stats will come up at half time, and we'll have a laugh about it because some of them are so, you know, poorly recorded. So yeah. I, I found that interesting anyway. It certainly is. Certainly is. Um, what was the other Super League news? Oh, yeah. There was a player that the Broncos assigned from Super League. Yeah, Albert Kelly. He was uh, – I don't know why the Brisbane Broncos signed him, but he was in quarantine for two weeks and went to Broncos training, and they basically sent him back to the Clydesdales, their feeder team, because he he packed on a few kilos, which I get being in quarantine. I mean – like, if you're someone that's susceptible to chucking on a bit of weight, if you're not working out a lot, and you've got to be in quarantine, and, 
like uh, Kevin Walters said this, he said, like, it wasn't just a case of him being in quarantine by himself. He had his whole family in there with him. Um, but apparently he's come back carrying a bit of weight and, you know, they've sent him back down to the Clydesdales to sort of work that weight off before they bring him back in. But I didn't know he'd signed for the Broncos and I, I, I don't really know why they would sign him. I get the impression that my decided to sign him because they see him as a replacement for Jack Bird. I'm, I'm, that's my guess. Um, he's not a bad six, but at the same time, I I don't see why they'd need, uh, you know, a, a five eight. Um, just because you know, generally you can just get some from your feeder clubs or something like that. Yeah, I just I, if somebody said to me, "Oh, do you want to sign?" Yeah, Albert Kelly. I, I would just would rather go in a different direction. I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Like, I don't think he's a, an NRL first grader. And if he's not an NRL first grader, then why are you spending your time, sort of, your time and effort when you could put that time and effort into a, a youngster, as you say? He spent six years in England. Yeah, um, and he did all right over there. Oh, he's, he's a top one player over there. That that's kind of his level, and he's he's not a long way behind NRL. But you know, that's I'd put him in the same sort of area as Josh Reynolds. Like he'll probably have a few good games and and hold, you know, hold hold himself reasonably well in the NRL. But he, I don't think he's going to be a match winner, and you you can't really carry solid halves. You, you need match winners in the halves. See, I think that he would be hugely out of his depth playing in the NRL now. I think he would be, he'd have, first of all, forward packs will run over the top of him. And I just I just don't see him anywhere close to being an NRL player. I think Josh Reynolds is way, way ahead of Albert Kelly. See, I, I reckon what the Broncos are doing is they figured they want to have um, Anthony Milford being a roving ball running six. Mm-hmm. And Kelly to just do the bare basic stuff of a seven. Distribute the ball and kick. That's all they want. They just, uh, I dare say that's their game plan. And I think it's a bad idea to ever do that. Mm-hmm. If you've got a seven who's just, whose job is to just distribute the ball and kick, um, that puts, I mean, that, that makes your genuine attacking forces. Uh, smaller because you've got less of them on the field, which makes them also easier to defend against. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem they've got here if, if that's what they're planning on doing. Um, on another note, do you reckon you could spend six years in England and not put on weight? Oh, no, no. I mean, everything's fried. Yeah. You know, the stuff that's not fried is boiled lollies. <laughs> Hard sugar. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think it's a bit harsh that he's put on a bit of weight. He's probably done pretty well not to have put on much weight at all, to be honest. Well, Albert Kelly, too, he's not a big dude. Like, no. He'd only have to put on a few kilos and they'd really show. Mm. So. I think the other thing, too, is he's going to be 30 by about the time the, the season kicks off next year. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I just found it a, a strange one. It was a strange one for me. And, and, yeah, I was shocked. I didn't know he'd signed for the Broncos. Mm, neither did I. I was, when you said it, I thought, do you mean like Ash Taylor? Like, are you, are you sure you haven't got the two players mixed up somehow? <laughs> and there you go. Yeah. That's a surprising one. Um, 
What else was there? Brandon Smith. Yeah, this is news that hit today. He's, he's, the Storm have said that he's allowed to explore his options for 2022, which says to me, um, one, Cameron Smith's playing next year. Mm-hmm. And two, they don't think that they, they'll be able to hang on to Brandon Smith because he's probably made it clear that he wants to play hooker and Storm have got Harry Grant. Yeah, and look, they were always going to commit to Harry Grant as their hooker. Mm. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think this is more more about Nick this coming season where they, they've given him the indication where where they feel as though their future is. But it also opens the door for him to maybe do a deal with another club and leave this year if he really gets upset about playing, you know, off the bench. Because, like, I don't know how they're going to do it. If they I, – I think you have Grant – personally, I would have Grant at hooker and, and Smith as your halfback. But it's going to be interesting to see how they work it all out. I, I don't know. I, I can't see where you have um, – you know, two hookers on the bench, even though Brandon Smith can play in the back row. I I still think that that's a bit of a, you know, you're going in with one hand tied behind your back. I, I like to have like three real forwards on the bench. And, and I think you can have, have Brandon Smith as a back rower on the bench, but he's your fourth, you know, forward on the bench in that, in that sense. So it, it's going to be yeah. interesting to see how they run out in the first round. But I wouldn't be shocked if Smith, Brandon Smith, that is, if he got a deal at another club and then tried to get uh, an immediate release to that club. And he'd be yeah. an amazing signing for someone. Exactly. Um, and given that he's obviously a Kiwi, mm-hmm. he'd be perfect for the Warriors. Yeah, so they won't sign him. No. Um, and he played under 20s, I believe, at the Cowboys. Who's the cow? Yeah, the Cowboys could use a hooker, actually. Yeah, he'd be really fantastic good. there. Yeah. Um, I heard that he could be on the Gold Coast Titans radar. Well, they need another nine. They've only got 300. Well, that's the thing. But if they're <laughs> looking to go in a different direction, like, it, it'd be a pretty good one to go in. Yeah. he's Look, I think he's one of those few players too that you could take him out of the storm system and he'd still be an absolute world-class player because he's just got that work rate. Yeah. The the only thing that worries me about him is I worry that he's going to have sort of the same sort of career trajectory as Isaac Luke, where because he plays so physically and like he, he holds nothing back at all. He's, his career is going to be a little bit shorter in terms of when he's an elite player. Um, yeah, that's I the think, only thing that worries me about him. I think if he if he's able to secure a um, starting nine spot, mm. I think that'll be the best thing for his longevity in the game. But if he picks up a, a, a team that's already got a nine who could probably take the, the nine job from him, mm. then he is going to have to play that secondary role where he's filling in a lock or something like that, then, yeah, he's he's going to get smashed. Because um, yeah, we saw at the end of last year, he was getting knocked around a hell of a lot. Yeah, and it's not because he's small or weak or he's got a bad technique or anything like that. It's because he does just throw himself completely into everything. Yeah. But he's not six foot two and 110 kilos. Yeah, exactly. You know, so he's always going to come off second best and all that stuff. But, yeah, he busts his fucking ass like no one else. Um, I'd love him at the Tigers, but... 
guarantee. I mean, the Tigers are still trying to chase fucking wingers, so you know. <laughs> if you want to, well, if you want to gig at the Tigers, Brandon, you need to run faster, mate. Maybe I'll get love, on the beach and do a bit of sprinting there. I absolutely love that the Tigers are like, okay, we're going to let Benji Marshall go, but we've got someone that's pretty comparable behind him, but we'll let him go too. So we're going into the season and we don't really have a first choice five eighth. I think it's genius on some level. Well, they've uh, they've got rid of their two best attacking players for the year, mm-hmm. Benji Marshall and Harry Grant, and Jacob Little has come through injury free and he's going to have his first injury free off season for the first time in a long time, which is great. Yeah, it is. But the next fallback from him is a very talented junior who hasn't played first grade yet. That's a little bit, always a little bit of a risk. But yeah. they've not got a 5 eighth, And it appears, it appears at the moment that the Tigers are thinking about, I think, Adam Dewey at six for next year, mm-hmm. if they can get Dane Laurie from the Panthers a year early. I th- uh, Have they got him next year? No, they've got him from 2022. Okay, okay. I thought they might have negotiated that. No, uh, they're in... What they're doing at the moment is the Tigers have offered um, a talented young centre from the Tigers' lower grades to Penrith mm. as a way of enticing. So, you know, we'll swap you. We'll give you this player as well if you let us have Laurie a year early. And I think Penrith are kind of looking at it given what's happened with um, Michael Gordon's customer. I forgot his name. He's irrelevant. It's not his customer. How do you? Um, he likes his coffee. Well, don't we all? But yeah, it's a good buzz from it. It's got a bit of kick. It's a, it is an interesting one. If you, it would depend how good the youngster would have to be. Pretty bloody good. Like the youngster would have to be good enough that I would say that the Tigers hold on to him. Well, the Tigers they can't hold on to him given that they've now signed two bloody rep centres. That's why this kid's probably going to want to go away because he's. You know, he's going to be behind Robertson, Lua, and, and Bai. Sure, fucking throw him in there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be behind those those guys until their contracts end in, what, 2023, 2024, something like that? Eight. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, how many games do you reckon James Roberts will play next year, though? Uh, six. Yeah, I'd be shocked if he played more than 10. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's crazy. I'd I'd love it if he played more and he kicks ass and gets picked for Origin again, obviously, but mm-hmm. when was the last time we saw that happen for the West Tigers? Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of what's going on there. Um, I've got a feeling that the, the Panthers may say yes because – I don't think Laurie's going to get much game time at the Panthers next year. And Penrith have shown in the past that they're not going to stand in the way of any of their up-and-coming talent who they know they can't hang on to. They're not going to stand in the way of them playing first-grade football elsewhere. And given they're going to pick up a centre and he's a young guy so they can spend a bit of time developing in their area, I think that might be something that might appeal to them. Yeah, it's like, I mean, that's just the club Penrith is and they know it. It's... You can't keep all of them. It'd yeah. be great if you could, but, you know, everyone wants to see Matt Burton playing first-grade football. He's a first-grader right now. Like, he was a first-grader all of last year, all of mm. last season, sorry. So, 
Um, and Dane Laurie, I mean, I've been saying that he's ready for first grade for a year as well. I haven't called him, haven't called him the year before. So, um, you know. I mean, Laurie's behind quite a few players at fullback and a 5'8 at Penrith. Yeah, yeah. So there's next to no chance he's playing first grade next year anyway. So I don't think Penrith are going to actually be losing much to their roster if they let him go a year early. And if they can pick up a player pretty much for free, who they can just slot into their lower grades for a year or two and develop further, mm-hmm. why not? And the thing is with Penrith too, it's like we know what they're like in terms of, you know, we, we didn't know who Stephen Crichton was a year ago, really. You know, he's a pretty handy young player, but it wasn't like we were thinking he was going to explode and, you know, score that many tries and just be this, you know, unstoppable force out wide. Yeah. It's just you, you never know who's around the corner. And um, Penrith is pretty good for outside. They've always been really good at, at producing outside backs and real quality outside backs too. So, um, yeah, that's an area that they're, they've always pretty good at. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think it's uh, yeah, it's definitely one to keep an eye, especially given that they're about to get uh, let Josh Mansell go. Yep. Wouldn't be surprised if he ends up at the Tigers. <laughs> um, I don't know why they're obsessed with wanting a winger for. It's really strange, huh? Mm, it's got me beat. But anyway, you've just freed up a ton of cash by letting go of a whole heap of halves and you know, playmakers and all sort of stuff, and you're chasing wingers. And none of them are Fijian. No, that's all right. Why aren't they Fijian? I don't know. Also, there was a, an article in our website mm-hmm. about uh, Joe Offerhengawi. Yeah, yeah. Um, and pretty much he says in there that he was having a conversation about his contract with Kevin Walters. Mm-hmm. And he says, I wasn't too convinced that it was going to be a good meeting. I went in there feeling I was going to be let go. And he told me straight up. That's what I wanted. I looked him in the eye and asked if he wanted to coach me, and he said, if I've got an offer on the table, I should take it. And that's what I did. That's fair enough. I I think that, you know, they're professional athletes, and I don't think it does anyone anything to beat around the bush with them. Like, if you've got to get rid of them, tell them, so that they can get on with it. Yeah. You know, rip the Band-Aid off quick. That's right. Be up front and be honest with them. Mm. Um, in other news, James Tedesco has re-signed with the Roosters until 2024. Yeah, it was funny seeing the way the media um, reported that one because they were like, oh, they held on to him. And it's like, yeah, they were always going to hold on to him. Yeah. The thing I found interesting about the way the media talks about Tedesco's re-signing. Yeah. And I found it really gross because they were talking about it, I think, during the season. Yeah. And they talk about how much money he was going to earn. Yeah. And I thought, that's that's really a bit I don't know if grubby's the word. Why is that? I don't know. It just for something about it, I I just don't like the fact that they were trying to talk to him about how much he was going to potentially earn and talk about all the stuff he was going to do with all his money. I just think that's a bit of a private thing that, you know, they shouldn't be dabbling in that. If if he signed a deal where he might be earning $1.4 million a year, but mm. no one actually knows for sure, mm. don't fucking talk about how much it is. 
And don't yeah, like, like, don't do it directly to him on you know after he's finished playing a game of footy and he's got his teammates next to him who uh, are see, all on I, less I money than that. I didn't see any of that because as yeah, soon as games finished, I tend to switch off. No, nah, there was a game. It might have been a Roosters game during the final, something like that. And they're talking about the fact he was about to sign a contract extension worth so and so many millions of dollars. I think there was two players next to him from his team. Oh, really? And he's sitting there sort of – he was looking very uncomfortable and awkward. He wasn't getting involved. He just laughed occasionally at it very nervously. Yeah, yeah. And I went, yeah, that's that's not very good. I didn't find that very professional. Yeah, that's weird. What a weird time to ask him a question like that. Yeah. Um, and I was talking about, oh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be your shit down the pub and sort of stuff. And you just think, yeah, what the fuck? Like, it's not 1970, guys. Yeah, like, calm down. We're all making money here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, they're all making a million dollars and living in Bondi, you know, probably own house there. They're all doing pretty well. Mm. But, yeah, it's just, they're all a bit, I don't know, the, the mainstream media is very much obsessed with how much players earn. It's really weird, hey, because, like, I think that there's the, – the only reason I am I have any interest in what a player earns is there's two reasons. Number one, I think it's awesome that the game affords the opportunity, even for someone like a James Tedesco, where he can do something he absolutely loves and earn a million bucks doing it. I think that's that's, like, that's what you want rugby league to be. And number two, I, and this is a different tact completely, is the salary cap side of things. Like, if the salary cap was $100 million and James Tedesco was earning $30 million bucks, it, it wouldn't change the way I thought about him, even if it's like $10 million, you know? It, it's just a, a matter of, like, how the salary cap is effectively used. And for someone like James Tedesco... If he's on 1.4 million bucks, he's well worth it under the salary cap restraints. And and then you get someone like, say, Mbai, who isn't really worth what he's being paid under the salary cap. And that becomes a, a point of interest. But, like, even you and me, like, Moses Mbai, like, good luck to him. You know? I, I'm not, I'm not going to decry the bloke for trying to get as much money as he can out of whoever the hell it is. Yeah, yeah. That's smart business. Mm-hmm. I'd be doing the same thing if I was in his shoes. Yeah, anyone would. Yeah. I just don't think that – because, you know, a lot of the numbers that get thrown out are speculated. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. We, we don't really know. And it does change your perception of a few players. Moses and buys the plastic one. He's probably an all right bloke and everything, but I'm sitting there going, I want to get rid of him because he costs too much. But that's uh, like that's understandable from a – you only do that because of, like, if they said, you know, if it was they changed their salary salary figures to Lego bricks and they said the West Tigers have 100 Lego bricks to use and they're using 15 of them on Moses and Buy, you'd be like, man, he takes up too many Lego bricks in this team. Like, it, it's not about the money in your your thing isn't about his money. It's simply about the amount of salary cap space he takes up. And I think that that's fair enough. But the thing that gets me is when people say, oh, that, you know, that's more than nurses and doctors and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, it's more than the prime minister. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Because it, it it, at some point it just comes back to pe- some people being jealous of young blokes that are earning heaps of money to do something really cool. To those people who say that, you know, these rugby players earn more than the Prime Minister does, um, I ask those people, 
to get your team to sign Scott Morrison and see how well he performs. Yeah. And then you tell me if you think the player you've got there that's earning more than him is actually better value for money than Scott Morrison. I don't think you'll be too disappointed with your results with the team, with the players you've got there. I mean, I personally would still take Moses and buy at $900,000 a year over Scott Morrison at centre at half a million dollars a year. I would take Moses and buy on $800,000 a year if you moved him straight into politics. (laughs) Well, that's true too. (laughs) I would take him as the Prime Minister. (laughs) I would take him as the... You know, anything, like the local member, I don't care. Like, just replace, let's replace all the politicians with football players. Well, there's an idea. Who would be the best Prime Minister, though? Oh, Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith? Yeah, easy, easy. Cameron Smith, easy. I see. I'd have him as the Minister for Communications. Oh, really? Yeah, because he he will not talk to the mainstream media. I would, the the (laughs) Minister for Communications... I would have James Maloney. Oh, he's in Super League. He doesn't matter anymore. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he can go in British Parliament if he wants. Yeah. <laughs> He'd do better in British Parliament too. He would, he would. People, what you know, most people would understand like, who would be Who would be your foreign affairs minister? Foreign affairs. <laughs> oh. What about, what about uh, Robbie Kearns? <laughs> it's like fucking going over to England. That's where the Eiffel Tower is. <laughs> I tell you what, I remember watching a um a a fun sort of quiz thing that they had on Fox Sports many years ago. Yeah, and Luke Lewis is on there, and um, yeah, not the not the sharpest knife in the drawer that Luke. Oh really? Yeah. They were asking all the uh, asking the players, you know, can you name all of the states of Australia? Mm-hmm. He said one of them was Perth. Oh, really? Oh, mm. that's bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad. So maybe we can make him foreign affairs. There, there is a there is a point like a tipping point where because you say like, okay, Luke Lewis, he's made plenty of money in his career, doesn't have to worry about money. But there is a tipping point where you're like, yeah, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be like dumb. <laughs> you know, if you've got a lot of money but you're dumb, it's a problem. It is a problem. It is. A problem. I don't I like. Think... I'm not saying Luke Lewis is dumb. Maybe his geography is not his his best subject. Yeah. But they're, they're just well, we know gen- he could be a mathematical genius. He could be. Yeah. He just spent all that time studying maths instead of studying geography. Fair enough. It's possible. Yeah. And really, who cares about you know anything west of Lithgow? Yeah. Really, let's be honest. Um, so actually, I kind of like his uh, commentary a few times I've heard it. I haven't heard him commentate. Is he a good commentator, is he? Yeah, he's not too bad. He does the, you know, the colour commentary sort of stuff. Um, okay. So he's one know, of my provides, competitors. Provides good insight. Sorry? It's, 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 he's one of my competitors. It's like me versus Luke Lewis. Yeah, absolutely. You're not going to win that one. Because uh. he'll just run through you if he has to. True, true. That's what he does. Yeah, but where's Luke Lewis from? He's he's from he's from Western Sydney. He's not from Mount Druitt though. He's where is he from? Ah, oh, I can't remember. But he's not from Mount Druitt. He's not a Druitt boy. No, no. Maybe he's just from Penrith, isn't he? I, I just don't know. I really don't know. 
Uh, Blacktown. Yeah, see. Oh, Blacktown. It's a little rough. Uh, it ain't meant to it, though. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, just watch out, Luke Lewis. Just watch. I, I know of, I know of um, one pretty good human that comes from, you know, that uh, comes from Blacktown, so I'm not going to. Andrew Fafita? No. Uh, did, didn't play, didn't play in the NRL. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, my mum. Oh. One of She's our favourite listeners. She's a good egg. Yeah, hello, hello, Miss Ferguson. Yeah, she's uh, she she's uh, she she'd probably run through half the NRL players. Probably. Yeah. Especially if they demanded spaghetti ball. Yeah. <laughs> she flings that shit like it's fucking frisbees. She just she gets that wrist action going. The old oh. power comes from the lower back, you know. Oh yeah! Oh, plenty, plenty of power in the forearm as well. Yeah, yeah. Get that up there. Just <laughs> smash him. Um. Uh, what else was there? What else was there? We had a few things here. Oh yes, the the uh, Lord Almighty Peter Volandis has decided that next year, after reviewing everything, he's mm. not going to go back on his decision that he made yep. to have one referee. Um, not fucking surprised at all. Yeah, yeah, that was always going to happen. He's uh, he's right, and he he knows he's right because he said he's right, and because um, the his, his mates at the Daily Telegraph have told him he's right. Yeah, how weird was it? Did you see that article during the week that said he was like the number one sports administrator, and there was this article that was kissing his ass about the NRL restarting again. And they were like, everyone was saying they shouldn't restart, and they did, and it was all Peter Volandis and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, man, they need to chill. I yeah. The fellatio articles do come out on a regular basis every now and then. <laughs> That's what I called it, eh? <laughs> That's all it was. It really um, was. This is the thing, okay. I've asked people who are diehard rugby league fans who are also fans of Peter Volandis. Yeah. And I say, who is, you know, you ask them, who do you think are some of the worst rugby league administrators? And they'll rattle off, you know, it could be the rugby union administrator. It could be, you know, whoever's running AFL, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So just to let you know that those competitions, those games all got back and restarted as well. Yeah. Can you think of a sporting competition that didn't actually restart? No. And that's the thing. You can't sit there and talk about Peter Valenti's being this god amongst men because he got rugby league back earlier than everybody else. Mm. Because getting the game back and started was always going to happen. Mm. Because all of the games and competitions who everyone seems to think are run by fucking idiots still managed to get their game back. So that shows you how easy it was to get the game back up and going again. If if people who they consider to be fucking idiots and shit mm. administrators are able to get the game going again, then anybody can do it. Yeah, and like it, it all was he did something... was started at like two, three weeks earlier than everybody else. I mean, whoop de do. The game was always going to get back. Todd Greenberg was always going to get the game back running again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know. they were all they were all working towards that, and yeah. I I don't know what it is, but you know, Peter Valandis, he's a wartime consigliere. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh, so, I love it when people say that. The 
<laughs> There's so much war going on at the moment. I know, right? It's like, can we just calm down with that, please? Yeah. You know, the uh, <laughs> country's invading Armenia. You wonder if Peter Vlandis is going over saying, guys, guys, come on, come on. I, I can get us back up and running through a few weeks earlier. I wonder how he would say <laughs> Armenia. 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 <laughs> um, so, yeah, one referee for next year, and apparently every single referee in the ranks is not happy because I don't think many of them were consulted. Yeah, well, when half of them get sacked and, like, all the touch judges got sacked mm. and their entire – the entire way that they had set up to train new referees to get into NRL level was completely scrapped and it, it's just a mess. Like, they've got to really restructure the entire thing and, yeah, it's a it's a strange one. Um, like, you know, the – the experts in rugby league, bar none, are the referees, and I can't believe that you wouldn't consult with them at all. It's just crazy to me. They'd be the nah. first people I'd consult, and I understand that they would have an interest in making sure that there was as many referees as possible on the field. But at the very, I'd like I had at the very least listen to them. Yeah, and some of the rather stupid comments that came around this mm-hmm. people saying oh it's a good idea you know the referees make too many mistakes as it is so we don't need any more of them on the field and i thought well hang on if they're making too many mistakes perhaps having another one on the field to help with the adjudication would help minimize the mistakes mm-hmm. as was happening prior to it going back to one referee yeah and then the response was um i oh, know they just they just confuse one another i mean that's easier to fix uh, and i i look i think it comes down to a mindset too like there, there was talk a couple of weeks ago that they were going to bring in a video referee thing where they would be able to adjudicate on forward passes. And it really goes <sighs> against what you want at when you sit down to watch a game in rugby league, in my opinion. Like, I want to sit down and watch... You don't want to watch a perfect game. You're seeing two imperfect teams play against one another. That's just what life is, you know. It's imperfect. And I'm not there to watch everyone watching a video screen while they stand around. I'm there to see, you know, I'm there to see humans. I'm there to see human beings. I can go and watch video simulations all day. I can play video games. There's all sorts of technology in our lives. I kind of like the idea if you had a sport that said, you know what, we're getting rid of the vast majority of that stuff and you're going to see people making mistakes big situations and some of them are going to be good. Some of them are going to be bad. Some of them are going to be, you know, absolutely soul destroying when they happen, but you're seeing human beings do that. And I don't like the idea of getting away from that. No, not at all. It's, and the thing is this constant pursuit of perfection within the officiating. It's an, it's entirely a media driven thing because Mm. the media knows that it's an easy topic for content because you'll never ever get a perfect officiating system mm-hmm. and that means you can always find something to shit on about it and therefore you've always got content to shit on and that's yeah. all it is it's, it's a, a hamster it's a, wheel yeah it and it's it's a low-hanging branch yeah and they go after that all the fucking time because they're spineless useless shits who can't do their fucking job properly 
So let's just go and pick on the easiest targets we can. And that's yeah, and what they do. That, that re- it's really lazy as well. Like, you, you look at the grand final. Penrith, you could make a really good case Penrith getting screwed in the first half of that grand final. And after the game, like I basically said, you know, you give away 10 points on penalties. I, I don't care what you're talking about the referee. You know, stop talking about the referee. You gave up that many points straight away. Um, you know, at, at some point it's just on the team. And, and I don't want to hear about the referee. We have seen referee performances where they might have cost a game here or there, but I think it all evens up over the course of a season. I really do. Yeah. it's Of course it is. This is the thing. I... I know, we see it in every sport. Yeah. Everything just balances itself out. Sometimes yep. it doesn't balance itself out in the same series or anything like that. But uh, it does over the course of time. Mm-hmm. It's just people need to get over this obsession with perfection with, with officiating, just move on, because they accept mistakes from players every single time and they're paid a lot more than the the officials are. And the mistakes by the players are far more impactful on the actual overall result of the game than the mistakes by the referees are. Exactly. Like when you see, like Jason Tomalolo run for 200-plus metres, that's a lot of players that have missed tackles on him. Mm-hmm. You know, And that doesn't take away from his performance. That's it's right. part of the human nature of rugby league, and you've got to accept the good with the bad, and that's that's the point. You know, that's the whole point of watching the game. You, you're going to see the moments that make or break the contest. And it's all part of the one thing, you know. I, I And the referee's just one element. The length of the grass is another element. The way the lighting comes down so that the fullback might get, you know, the lights in his eyes, that's an element. Everything is part of it. It's not down to one dude and his decisions. Exactly. Speaking of one dude and his decisions. Yes. Robert Elstone. Ah. Oh. Now... If people don't know of him, he's the man who's in charge of the Super League. Yeah. And uh, the Super League, have, you know, as we all know now, we've spoken about it, they've decided that they don't want to have a team from a city that's got nearly 3 million people in it, that being Toronto. Actually, it's 6.1 million. Oh, well, I was talking more about just the centre of town, but there you go. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm still called a city of town. Okay, yeah. Small-minded person that I am. <laughs> um. So six million people then. Yeah. That's because that market's saturated. It's got what, four teams there? Four whole teams, yeah. Four yeah. whole teams, yeah. It's saturated. Yep. Um Featherston in the UK though. Yeah, you think you think Toronto with its saturated market to cover six million people. Mm-hmm. Right. Featherston has only one team. Oh wow. Yeah. Do you know what the population of Featherston is? I do, but tell us. 16,000. 16 whole thousand people. Yeah. yeah. That's smaller than most suburbs of Melbourne. Just to put it in perspective for you. Smaller than most NRL crowds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as I said during the week, um, the biggest competitors to the Featherstone Rovers football club when it comes to crowds is going to be church on Sundays and the markets. And you know what? That sounds like I'm taking the piss. I bet I'm right. Yeah. 
Do you know when the last time was that Featherston averaged at least three and a half thousand people per game? Uh, in in championship, it was prior to them going to Super League. Oh, like really? Prior to the entire English game going to Super League it was nineteen ninety four. Oh wow! Holy crap! Yeah. Wow. And uh, that that's what they're going for. And uh, but let's be honest. There's not the only team. There's there's five other teams there that are in the hunt. Yeah. Have you seen them all? I know one of them's York. Um, yeah, there's I don't York. Know, I honestly don't know who the others are. I'm okay. guessing that one of them's the London Broncos. The London Broncos are there. There's York. There's, Toulouse. Uh, Toulouse is there. Uh, Featherston. Bradford Bulls. Ugh. And Lee Centurions. Lee. <laughs> and I joked about a month or two ago. Yeah. But the team they'll bring it through will be Bradford Bulls because of all the investments that um, the game has made in Odsall Stadium. Yeah, yeah. And I still think that's going to happen purely for that reason. I agree with you, hey. <laughs> so they've all put in their um, their, their statements, um, you know, and whatever else they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um. I dare say the Super League is going to be assessing those very soon because they're going to need to know who's going up into the top division to replace Toronto before Which the... Is, it's pretty on. funny. It's pretty funny because, like, we're in December mm-hmm. and their season, I mean, their season starts in, well, probably February. It will be February, yeah. So they've only yeah. got two months to prepare. Which is not enough time. No. Not even close. They need... If you're jumping up, if you're going from say, championship level to Super League, you need 12 months. Yeah, and especially when you're going from championship where you haven't played any football for mm-hmm. a year. Mm-hmm. So you've just had expenses for the year and not had any income coming in, and then you're going to the next season in Super League, the next level up. Boy, that's a tough ask. Yeah, and they'll do it and they'll say, oh, by the way, you can't have a full Super League broadcasting share of money and oh by the way this and oh by the way that and they'll set them up for failure and when they fail they'll go oh i can't believe it failed you know it was funny seeing like everyone cheering about the super league grand final which i didn't watch and uh they're saying i can't believe this game isn't more popular and it's like it's not more popular because you keep on you know stopping it from being popular yeah like, why would it, you know, this idea that everyone's supposed to be really excited about two small, you know, towns that are playing one another that are like 20 minutes drive from one another and it's the biggest contest, you're going to love it. It's That doesn't get people's juices flowing in 2020. I don't mind if they've got those small teams there, but they need to have teams from much bigger areas, from much bigger markets. Like, and if they struggle, then they need to give them as much support and as many opportunities as they've given every other tiny little town. Like, well, you th- imagine imagine what would happen in rugby league in Canada if yeah. Toronto was helped out and given every chance to survive and compete as, say, Bradford's had. Oh, it would be amazing. It would be absolutely amazing. Instead, their first, their first hiccup, bang, you're gone, and just completely shit on the game in Canada entirely. Bang, that's yeah. it. Not interested. Fuck you. And we're going to replace you with a town that's got, you know, 
an attendance that gets beaten by church on Sundays. <laughs> Seriously. It's, it's like the same people that line up at Nando's. Yeah, it's a Nando's queue. Yeah. That's it. Um, in, in some good news from England, mm-hmm. um, someone who obviously we've mocked a bit in the past, but he's doing something great at the moment, Kevin Sinfield. Yep. Um, he's decided he's going to run seven marathons in seven days. In an in a bid to raise, what was it seven hundred seven hundred seventy seven thousand seven hundred seventy seven pounds mm-hmm. for um, motor neurone disease and Rob Burrow, who's mm-hmm. suffering horribly from it. He's um, oh. he's wheelchair bound now. It's terrible. It is terrible. Um, he's he's just finished his sixth one, and he's already raised. Um, I think he's raised over eight hundred thousand pounds, or he's already beaten his mark, and he's getting up towards a million pounds. After yeah, phenomenal stuff. He's getting really close. It's uh, it's pretty amazing what he's done. And like, I, I saw a picture of him today, and you could see the physical toll it had taken on him. Mm. Um, you know what an effort! Seven marathons in seven days. Jeez. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Um. So, absolute massive thumbs up to to Sinfield for that. There. Um. The other thing I found amusing on a on a funny note is that he's probably raised more money in seven days than what most Super League clubs raise in about seven years. He probably has, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, maybe, maybe that could be what we get Kevin Sinfield to do, just keep running. <laughs> just keep running. He can just, he'd, he'd be making more money for Super League than what Super League's ever made for itself. Yeah, just Forrest Gump it. <laughs> well, maybe just, yeah, Sinfield's done an awful lot. How about we just get some other players to, to you know, Tip in, okay? Come on, guys. If we get every single Super League player to do one marathon a day, just past and present ones, oh, you, you just know, keep going. I, I've just seen the Rugby Football League have have tweeted out he's now finished his seventh one. So it says he's run for 183.4 miles of running, and he's raised over 1.1 million pounds for Rob oh. Burrow and uh, the uh, M... What is this one? Let's see what it is. The MND Association. Yeah. Motor Neuron Disease Association. So that's that's just friggin' incredible. That's almost three hundred Ks that he's run. Yeah, that's a it's amazing. Like it'd be interesting to talk to him about um like just the physical toll it takes on him. Because I've heard uh, I've heard from people that do that sort of stuff. Like your body starts breaking down pretty quickly, yeah, like, and it takes a long time to get over it. So, yeah, it's a, a huge effort. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. Well done to him. Oh fucking oath. Absolutely. I mean, most people won't won't run a marathon in their life. So we've done seven in a week. What do you reckon fucking the hell. longest you've ever run constantly is without it being on a sport field? Like, what's the longest you've run? I used to do pretty long um, runs in training for um, pre-season for cricket. I did, yeah. Yeah, I'd go up to the cricket ground and just do about 10 laps of the cricket ground. Okay. Trying to get my cardio up again. I was never a cardio person. I was always I, sprinting. I, well, I didn't mind the cardio stuff when I was younger. I used mm. to always like running, so I was pretty good at that. Yeah. Not exactly. I, I was okay over short distances with sprinting. Yeah. Um, not great long distances. Um, I was handy-ish 
long distance running. Yeah. But winter was always bad for me because it was basically just playing golf. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no other winter sport was available where I was at the time for most of it. Um, or play squash, which is more about explosive speed over about six or seven steps. I've never played squash. I love it. It'd be interesting. All uh, my squash would be, be playing squash with me. Me would basically be it'd turn into a jackass skit. It'd be <laughs> like let's just hurt each other. <laughs> uh, I think the first thing I tried to do um, when I played squash is the back wall didn't go right to the roof. So All the right. first first objective was to hit the ball as hard as possible to yeah. try and make it go over the to clear the back wall. Yeah. Yeah, not on third attempt. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when I, we we tried tennis once at uh we had tennis courts at my school and uh, got all the tennis gear out, put all the netting up and everything. And the, I hit so many uh, tennis balls over the top of this, like, enclosed. It, they, I can't even imagine how high the fences were. Like, they must have – like, they might have been 15, 20 metres high. And I hit so many balls over the top of these fences that the teacher asked me to sit down. <laughs> I was just no good at tennis. Uh there we go. We'll see. That just makes me think you just had a very posh school. We didn't have a tennis court in my school. No, nah, no. Nah, our, our, our school wasn't posh. Like, trying to think. It, it, Mate, you had a tennis court. My primary school had a tennis court. It never yeah. got used. But, yeah, so Tricky Primary School had a tennis court. So did my primary school. But my high school didn't. Yeah, Which makes school. no sense because my primary school was is very tiny. But for some reason they had a tennis court and a cricket net out the back. I'm trying to think. See, uh, we had a we had cricket, like the you know the fenced cricket nets. We had them in primary school. You know what we did have in primary school? We had proper equipment that you could climb. And when I think about like what it was, I can't believe that people let anyone climb it. Like it was all it was that we said it was out of bounds because it was dangerous. But I remember climbing to the top of these things. They were about fifteen meters up off the ground too. How many broken arms? Uh, I never broke an arm. I knew that there. I know there were a couple of kids that broke arms, but I never did. I broke my leg in primary school though. Bloody hell! Yeah, we had the monkey bars and there's some weird arch igloo type thing that you could climb on. Oh yeah, like a, a steel one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and sand pits, which um, the neighbour's cat used to shit in all the time. Oh, yuck. <laughs> it was just a massive kitty litter. We had these things, right? Hey, let me try and describe them. They were basically, if you got, imagine getting four telegraph poles, right? Mm. Making them into like a pyramid structure that was really steep, okay? Then you got other telegraph poles and made them probably, probably, I'm trying to think of how many levels up, but they would wind around. So there'd be one one side then one the next a little bit higher, then one the next a little bit higher, and they would wind right the way up to the top of this thing. And that was it. Okay. Really dangerous. So that, that's what school was like back in our days. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, if you if you can't go to school and risk risk a severe injury, then, you know, are you even going to primary school? Yeah. You know, you gotta, you got to learn not to be, you know... Get a spinal injury, really. That was exactly. like 95% of going to school. That's right. I was avoiding spinal injury and se- severe um, bro- bone trauma. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, how times have changed. Everyone's soft now. Yeah, now they get upset when it's too hot. Yeah. You know that thing that we always used to get told that you know, school get closed down if it gets over 40 degrees? Never happened at my school. Never once. Never once. I was actually um, talking about this with someone the other day. It would get to 40 degrees at my high school, and I would be one of the idiots that would be out on the, the, the basketball courts playing touch football with a tennis ball. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that's the thing. As a teenager, you you don't know what hot feels like. You just go and do shit all the time. I think Yeah. classic example for me was I had – I went to cricket training on Wednesday night and did cricket training for about two and a half hours. Didn't drink any water because, mm. you know, teenager, I don't need water. I just fucking play sport. Yeah. And felt a bit dehydrated when I went home. And, you know, dehydration, when it gets pretty bad, you feel sick in the stomach, you're not hungry, and you get a bit of a headache. Mm. So I thought, oh, well, I'll have a shower and go to sleep, and hopefully I'll be better in the morning. Woke up in the morning, didn't have any breakfast, because I just don't, I'm not a breakfast person. Haven't yeah. been since I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, and then got to school, played basketball before school. It was like 42 degrees or something like that. Did class for two or three lessons and then come back out and I was playing basketball during recess and walked into the mass class. Well, apparently, apparently I walked into the mass class and sat at my table. Yeah. Uh, sat at my desk and um, fainted. Oh, jeez. And uh, had to go and had to go and uh, sit in the, the sick bay for a while and get rehydrated. <laughs> I don't remember going to that class. I do not remember walking through the door. I do not remember sitting at the desk. Yeah, that's not good. Apparently I did that and then, yeah, fainted. Severe dehydration. Jeez. It does that to you sometimes. I've never fainted, hey? I've done it once before when I had a um, severe dental pain and I couldn't eat for about two days. Oh, really? And you fainted? Yeah, because I got, went and had some uh, antibiotics put into me. Yeah. And just as I was leaving the the chemist where I got some tablets for the antibiotics, yeah. started walking out and went, hmm, don't feel right. I just thought I, I need to just like sit on the floor here in the middle of the chemist. <laughs> and I got down on one knee and then next thing I know, someone's helped me onto a chair. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That well, might have been a reaction to the antibiotics though. Probably. It was the first thing that got into my system in, in two days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, things you do when you're 20. Yeah. See, I, I remember I got a wisdom tooth out, I think it's about a year and a half ago now, and I'd heard all the horror stories about it. There's nothing. Piece of cake? Easy. I went shopping straight away. This is the thing. Is Did did you hurt your wisdom tooth when, when you are eating a bit of cat, or was it something else that you got stuck in? No, what was it? I, I, I hurt my wisdom tooth eating something. And I can't remember what it was, though. Um, ah, geez, what was it? I can't remember. Anyway. And I saw, yeah. What? I was going to say, I see at the supermarket recently. Yeah. They, they sell meat for cats to eat, yeah. right? Yeah. On the packaging, though, it says lean cat. <laughs> it looks like you're buying lean cat for humans lean to cat. eat. <laughs> See, cat cats would eat cats. They wouldn't care. Oh, fucking earth, they would. Um, 
yeah, anyway, so I got I got my wisdom tooth taken out. It had a big hook in it, and that didn't matter. And I I got the gas, but the gas didn't work on me. So I was huffing that gas, and I felt nothing at all from the gas. And then they they pulled the wisdom tooth out, and I was like, is that it? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, there's nothing. What are people complaining about now? I went shopping afterwards. Well, the only thing that really annoyed me is it bled for two days. Uh, it does do that. Yeah, so that, and that was just annoying. Yeah. They gave me Panad, uh, Panadine Fort, and I didn't use that. I, I took a couple of Panadol um, once yeah, I got home. Don't go Panadine Fort. That's just a bit nasty. Yeah, I, did, I didn't use that. I had a couple of Panadol, but that was it. I didn't even need Panadol to fall asleep or nothing, so. There you go. Yeah. Don't know how we got into this. No, not, yeah. We, yeah, what the hell? We just go on tangents. <laughs> It's the off-season. We can talk about whatever. Who cares, eh? Do whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. Um. So we'll go back to those six teams. Who do you think they should bring through? You've got Bradford, Featherston, Lee, London, was uh, it? Toulouse and York. I, I think what they should do is completely scrap Super League altogether. I reckon they should bring all. through all six teams. Wouldn't be the worst idea, hey? Why not? I say, why not? Bring so all six through. Yeah. Bring all six through. Two of them get relegated next year, and the winner of second division gets automatically promoted. They there can, you go. They can all have a one-sixth share of the 50% of one team's whole share of the Super League grant. And they that's, can just... That's basically one slice of tuna pizza each. Pretty much. And then they can, you know, get their... They're playing staff from, I don't know, I'm sure they've got unemployment, dole queues and stuff over in England. I just pay more like two grand a year. They'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) No, the way you do it is you wait until the Challenge Cup and then you take your salary and you bet it again. No, I can't say the rest of that. I'm sorry. You're giving giving people ideas here. They already had those ideas. That's been very clear for a long time. It's been done? It's been done. <laughs> Just tank. Yeah. That's what they should do, actually. Bradford should go into the uh, the Challenge Cup, and they might be up against, I don't know, who knows, some, some team from Millwall. <laughs> <laughs> the Millwall Marauders playing in their first ever Challenge Cup. They've never played rugby league before. It's the second or third round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bradford would normally win this game by about 300 points to nil. And they all just turned up and said, right, everybody, put everything on Millwall to win. And then and they just turn up and tank it. And, and then go, next hey. year, yeah, next year they're like flushed with cash. Yeah, next year they're going out and they're, they're buying David Fafita from the Titans and paying out his contract. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. We can do this, guys. It's sweet. I bet someone's thought about that. I bet they're thinking about it now. (laughs) (laughs) Tell you what, that sounds better than fucking tuna pizza. I love it when you get these teams that they're like, they're like, we're really strong financially. And then they have one season, which is just like not real good, not even terrible, just not real good. And it, and because they bank so heavily on being good every year, it completely screws them. And it's like, oh, you're not, you're not strong financially at all. You're barely holding it together. Yes. Um, 
I think I think Leeds have kind of just gone through a, a, a you know some sort of run kind of like that. Do you remember they finished tenth in twenty sixteen, and then they were premiers the year after, but then they were back down to ninth in twenty eighteen. They were eighth this year. Oh, sorry, eighth twenty nineteen. We well, so know. You know, it's really crazy. Leeds is the biggest market in Super League, right? What do you reckon is the second biggest market? In Super League? Yeah. St. Helens? I, see, I, don't, I think it would be, I, I, and I don't know, but I reckon it's probably between Hull and Warrington, maybe. St. Helens is a small town. Maybe it's Featherstone. Could be. There's a bit of silence there for a while. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what we're talking about here. Like, these these markets are so small. And then they wonder why people outside of these small markets don't care. It's like because no one one cares. Why should somebody in London care what's going on in St. Helens? That's true. This is the thing that, that surprises me is that pretty much everywhere else in the world, Rugby league is still strong in the area where the game first started there. Mm-hmm. Like Port Moresby in PNG, Auckland in New Zealand, Sydney yeah. in Australia, but the Huddersfield region in England barely rates a mention there. Yeah, that's a weird one. It's really odd. Again, its own core heartland area where the game started. Hardly anyone follows it. Even rugby league wanted to get the fuck out of Huddersfield. <laughs> Oh, boy. Let's see what's going on on our Twitter page, see if there's anything on the Fergo Freak Pod Twitter page. The former Richard Cranium said that uh, he was watching a game on Fox uh, today. Yeah. And Matt Elliott was playing in Jumper Jumper 49. Yeah, the, the good old days when you had your number. What would you, That would have been uh, third grade. 49. Um, would it? Yeah, it would have been. Was he a, was he a second rower? Matty Elliott. Um, he might have been actually. Uh, I th- I thought he might have been a hooker. Nah, he wouldn't have been. Well, he certainly screwed my fucking club <laughs> like one. <laughs> See, I was thinking of a link there, and I went, "No, I'm not going to make it." <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, you. I, I can say that because he traumatised my club enough. That's right. Um, one thing we would, I will mention, though, from about a week ago. Yeah. If you didn't hear it, people, check out the uh, uh, Starting Block podcast. Mm. They had their 10-year anniversary one. Um, yeah, it was a good one. It was really entertaining. Yeah, especially the bit that we were on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, we recorded a tribute for them. Um, it was a really heartfelt tribute as well. Yes. To the point where they actually asked, what are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was, that was a five-minute tribute that we gave them. It was, it was uh, let's be honest, it was touching. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was heartfelt. It was. And I don't think you'll ever hear anything like that on this actual podcast. So, uh, uh I like the part when we were talking about eating a koala. <laughs> yeah, that bit was going well. Um, so you should get over there, check that out, and uh, also listen to their podcast if you haven't already. Um, mm-hmm. 
Love their work. Yeah, it's fantastic. Go and subscribe to Starting Block. Drop the K at the end. And, uh, yeah, get subscribed to it. It's brilliant. Apparently, um, Brandon Smith's agent has made contact with 14 NRL clubs. So who's the one club <laughs> not bothered a little bit of the Tigers? Did you imagine if it was the Tigers? Apparently, it's the Warriors. Oh, there you go. He doesn't want to go back. So you, to you nailed it in one. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there was a funny thing in the news up here. You probably wouldn't have seen it where, you know, uh, how Madison was at the Tigers and he went, at, went over to Parramatta. And Ivan Cleary said that he was. Uh, they did some charity thing. And I didn't say where the charity thing was. But uh, Ivan Cleary was there and he said he apologised for not saving him from the West Tigers. <laughs> and I uh, saw pe- people so, get very fucking angry about so That's what the West Tigers fans were getting in the shit, uh, yeah, not shitty about today. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't take it much, but yeah, that's what it was about. I, I have likened the uh, West Tigers supporters when they're talking about Ryan Madison mm-hmm. a bit like watching dash cam videos. Yeah, I saw that as a good good analogy. Because there's um, you just know you're just going to be watching a lot of idiots, and eventually a few car crashes. <laughs> we should maybe rank one day the uh, fan bases on Twitter. From from what best to worst? Best to worst. Based on um, how salty they get, or on just based on whatever the fuck we want. Okay. Uh, West Tigers ninth. Ninth. <laughs> on a fucking good day. <laughs> on a good day. <laughs> That's on every day. Yeah. Um, alrighty, people. You're probably sick of this shit by now. So um, <laughs> check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Fergo Freak Pod. We put up a few. Um, few of our fans have put up their Spotify stuff. Whatnot. I put them up on Instagram the other day. So if you've got that and you know you've listened to us more than anything else, send it to us on Instagram or on our Twitter, and we'll put it up on ours. Yeah, we love seeing that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Um, we're also on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn. So check us out over there. Like, subscribe, all that sort of stuff. That'd be fantastic. Um, make sure you give us a five star rating and a review. Um, we'll read them out on the podcast. We'll put them up on our website as well, uh, yep. which is fergonthefreak.com. Yep, go to the contact section, send us something. Yeah, we'll read it out and answer your questions, mm-hmm. which we've done in the last few episodes, but not this one because no one bothered to email us. <laughs> it's probably a good thing. Imagine if we started getting complaints. <laughs> that would be so much fun. <laughs> I wouldn't like that at all. I'd just go delete. I feel like um, the podcast is my happy place because it certainly isn't fucking Twitter. <laughs> oh, mate, you just need to go viral, you'll be fine. Ah, uh, Twitter's just a bunch of miserable bastards at the moment. You're almost fucking upset at something. That's right. Can't even say the word can't without being fucking banned for a week. What's the use? Well, you just got to be imagine and just use the letter V instead of the letter U. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, either you, so you're always gonna look for look for workarounds. Yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, they took away thirty percent of the words I use. What the fuck? <laughs> um, what else is there? That's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. If you want to sponsor the podcast, please get in touch as well. 
Um, Freaky does all that sort of stuff. He does all the dealing, wheeling and dealing there. He's our advert man. I'm basically like Don Don Draper out of Mad Men. I don't know who that is. That's all right. <laughs> Did he ever get shot by um, John McClane? No. Uh, don't care. <laughs> uh, it is the Christmas season. It's the season to be jolly. It's the season for more Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> should we do the Die Hard 2? We should do a Die Hard 2 episode, hey? Yeah. We'll go through all the Die Hards. By the time we catch up, they'll have done another two or three. Probably. Yeah. Where he's fucking walking around drinking a, a fucking smoothie. <laughs> you know? That'd be fantastic. Fighting he's got crime fucking on the Botox and shit. Yeah. He'd be fighting crime at Bunnings by then. Yeah, talking about the kids these days, it's like, just calm down. You're wearing skinny jeans. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you get like 15 different flavors of coffee. You'll be fine. Yeah. Back in my day. That's what we need to hear more of. Yeah. Um, all right. I'll stop rambling on. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Catch us all next time.